You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and happy Wednesday. Welcome into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steven Serta. We're just over 24 hours away from the NFL draft, so we decided to give you best of a little early this week. We're going to give you some of our top mock drafts, top preparation to get you ready for Thursday night's big event. We're going to start things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room. They spent a lot of time predicting the Chiefs draft picks, and that's going to be followed up by Ron Kopp Jr. and our friend from 610 Sports Radio, Jay Binkley, as they've got a full first round mock draft. And then we will wrap things up with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room as they continue the mock draft trends for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Thank you for listening. It has been a fun draft process. It's getting closer and closer here. And, you know, it's it's the draft we're covering. And so the only way to, to really cover the draft is just to uh, do more drafts about the draft. And that's what we're going to do right now is draft players that we think the Chiefs could draft. And I'm going to keep saying draft because draft, draft, draft. But no, uh, yeah, no, I, we got a fun little thing here. So <laughs> uh, Chiefs. Chiefs pick at 29 and 30. They got two first round picks. We know they can move up, move down, whatever. But all we know is they got a lot of ammunition in this first round. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to draft players that are possible targets in the first round and try to be right. Not guys that we want them to pick, right? We're not picking our guys. We're going to be trying to be try to be right, which is definitely a difference. I mean, there's absolutely a difference. When you think about it, you got to consider Brett Veach's draft history. You got to consider, you know, how aggressive he is. You got to consider how the board could fall. Um, we are picking, you know, we're picking guys trying to be right. We're going to go three rounds here and we're going to go, we're just going to go regular draft, no snake draft. There's not enough rounds for it to be, to make sense for a snake draft, but I'm the third pick because I just volunteered to be, but I want to, it's between Talon and Brian for the first and second pick. And I'm going to have you, this is how we're going to do it. You have to, uh, I'm thinking of a player, a chiefs player. And the closest per I, I, just any player on the on the roster. So it's just literally any player. You have to be the closest position wise. And I know that makes no sense, but if you whatever player you guess, whoever's closest position wise gets to go first. So guesses, please. I'm gonna say Devon Key. Devon Key, okay. Brian. Mm, I'm gonna go offense then and uh Smart. Go with a, a running back, uh, Ronald Jones. Talon, you will have the number one overall pick. I was thinking Rashad Fenton. So defense, safety, see? It made sense, right? My little game made sense. It, it played out. It, it didn't fail. Um, so that's good. Uh, so, yeah, Talon, you have the first pick. And so, again, picking guys we think the Chiefs could pick first, first round, just one at a time, three rounds, Talon, do you have a number one overall pick for us? 
I do. Um, it, it, is, it happens to be one of my guys. But uh, I do think, you know, if quarterbacks start to go, if there's a run on receivers, um, that there's going to be some good players pushed down. And Daxton Hill is a good player. He's a guy that checks multiple boxes for the Chiefs. They need help at slot excuse me, a slot cornerback. Uh, and that's something that Daxon Hill has done a lot of in college and he's done it, done it very well. Um, so he could slot, uh, come in day one, be the starting slot cornerback for, for nickel packages and dime packages for the, for the chiefs. Um, but he's also a, a very good safety over the top. So if one Thornhill does hit free agency next year, he could slide right in to start next to Justin Reed. Uh, and then they could just fill the need with a, you know, one of their, depth guys and cornerback that they take later on in the draft for, for, for future years. So for me, Daxon Hill just checks so many boxes. He's so versatile. He's so physical. He, he's fast. Um, and he can cover a lot of different types of receivers. So for me, Daxon Hill is uh, realistically, I think the Chiefs could, could take him. I think it's actually a really good pick when you consider, you know, because he might be BPA, he might be best player available um, at 29 or 30. And if he falls there and you're right, he fills, he fills needs for sure. That's a great first pick. I think it's a great leadoff. But Brian, you have the second overall pick. Who are you going with? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to shake things up in a big way. Um, this is what I think is going to happen. And we kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I think they just they really know who they want and they're gonna do kind of whatever it takes to get them within reason. So um, this is where it gets tricky because I'm gonna predict which player falls. because uh, I, I don't think they're trading up higher than you know, 13, 14, 15 range, but they're going to get there and they are going to end up taking Jermaine Johnson. Um, ah, I think he does fall in, in his hype through this pre-draft process has been crazy. And, you know, nationally we're saying, Oh, this guy, he, he's going top eight, top 10. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think maybe they have a decent beat on this and they kind of know that he might get down to 13, 14, 15. And that's who they want. And that's why they've just kind of, you know, been patient with the defensive end market. Um, and they're going to package up, pick 50, maybe throw in another pick on day three and yeah, make yeah. sure they get their guy, Jermaine Johnson, uh, out of Florida State. This is the strategy of this game, man. I love it. You know, you are, are we taking guys that, you know, are most, are, you know, most likely to fall? Or are you taking guys that you, we are confident they are looking at wanting to get? And I think you're right. I think Johnson would be the perfect guy to trade up for for Kansas City. Because he is an immediate impact guy, plus with you know a pretty high ceiling, just a guy you can definitely throw in there at a, as a four three DN either you know either edge and 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 give you good pass rush and run production. I love it. I love the idea of that. But I am on the clock here with the third overall pick now, and so I'm kind of going going to go in a similar boat as you, Brian. And I'm going to go George Karloftis, the par Purdue um, edge rusher. I, you know, it's starting to feel like, I think, you know, I think there are some people that don't like him, but I think that's just kind of, it's kind of getting overblown a little bit. I do think he's going to go pretty high, but in that same boat, if he does fall to an certain extent, I think the chiefs just understand how well he fits in their defense, how, you know, and he is still pretty raw prospect, still a pretty high ceiling guy, you know, not as much as Johnson in my opinion, but I think he could be a guy that they target. So George Karloftis, Purdue edge rusher, Talon, you are back on the clock. Yeah. I'm going to stay edge. Um, so I'm going to go Arnold Ebiketti. I think this oh. is a guy that, that uh, you know, some may not see him as a round one value, um, but I like him a lot. And I think he's a guy that the Chiefs need to get and want, really want to get. They have to take him with one of these first round first round picks unless they trade back into the early second because he'll be gone uh, if they don't take him here. So depending on how much they value him and, and you know, 
he's not great against the run. He doesn't have the biggest anchor in the world, but he does offer value when, you know, when they're, you know, um, and, and certain run stuffs, but I like the way he rushes a passer. He's a very effective and very efficient pass rusher. And that's something the chiefs need. Um, and, and in terms of, um, there was a stat that broke on Twitter and I believe it was advocated. It was one of the best in, in the, in the country at, at creating pressures, um, without, you know, um, what was, what was the official stat? It was un, unassisted pressure or, or, you know, in terms of offensive linemen falling down or, you know, something like that, something where it was, you know, the offense failed to stop him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not making any sense, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, I like Ebiketti here. I think he'd be a good round one value for the Chiefs. No, I think, I think what you're referencing, is it a PFS stat? Cause I think it's like, yeah. a, I think it's just win rate. And maybe that's what it was, yeah. And because it's it's it, I b- believe win rate for them can be passing and run blocks like both. So like you know, it's not just like your pass rush win rate. It can be you know how much when you're engaged with the block, you're winning it. And right. you're right. When I watch, you know, I've watched three full games of him for my for my film um, review, and you know, I will say like, yeah, he is. You know, he's not the biggest dude. Yeah, he's not just gonna like be able to just like physically dominate a block if he doesn't get momentum into the engagement. He definitely. If he's standing straight up, he's going to get blown off the ball for sure. But that's the thing, dude. He understands that. He's got long arms. He can play with that leverage. He's a very high-effort player. So I, he's a guy to me that I feel like could really, like, he just, you know, he just needs to, you know, always, you know, be aware of that on the field, like always be in a position to kind of, you know, be ready to use that leverage. And since he's a high-effort player, I just feel like, yeah, he could get to that point where he just, he just doesn't find himself in those positions a lot because he's always with good technique. Um, yes, he can be in those positions because that's the other thing, which I've, I've seen this be talked about with him, which I agree with it, you know, but I, I didn't think about it until I've heard it. He definitely doesn't seem like a player that can add much weight on. Like he, like, I feel like his frame is a good frame, but like he is what he is in terms of like what his build is right now. You know, he's just not a, he's just not going to be a guy you can just add on like 20 pounds and say, okay, well now he's a bigger guy that can stuff the run. Well, now he's not going to be able to fly off the ball. So. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, I, 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 I go off about him because I just wrote him up and I, 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 he is becoming one of my favorite options in the first round. So I'm glad we took him. And so now Brian, unless you had any Ebiketti takes, you can go ahead with yeah. your second round pick. Now Ebiketti was one that I had on my list too. Um, and I forget who it was. It was, you know, a respected name on, in the media football space who had said his comp was, um, Shaq Barrett for Ebiketti as far as his career outlook. And I'm thinking, you know, if the Chiefs took him and, and you said, okay, he's going to become Shaq Barrett-level type player, sign me up for that all day, even yeah. if it doesn't mean some, you know, run defense deficiencies. I think we've seen over the last few years, while the defensive ends like Frank Clark have been really, really good against the run, we need more more pass rush juice. So I'm all for that yes. one. That's a good pick. Um, so this next one. Uh, I don't know that I would do this with the Jermaine Johnson trade up might be a little redundant in terms of, of how they're using the resources. But one that I think could definitely happen is a small trade up for defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. And that was um, a really, really good player that Talon wrote up on the, on the website. And this goes into that whole idea. Okay. We want to really funnel our pass rush up the middle Um have a contingency plan for life after Chris Jones. Um, because if you think a, a lot of the, the best quarterbacks, the best way to 
you know, get them off their game is if you can get pressure up the middle. Yes, man. Uh, Wyatt, Chris Jones, you know, Wharton, Taylor Stallworth, they just brought in. There's some juice there to rotate through. Um, I, I don't think that that's um, that crazy of an idea that they would go D tackle first round. So Devontae Wyatt, Georgia is my second uh, choice for this first round rotation. I totally agree, man. And the other thing that we've talked about, I, I believe on this pod is that, you know, defensive tackle right now, it's stacked, but you know, the high end talent right now really only is Chris Jones. And if they want to get younger and cheaper, you know, kind of in the short term, you know, maybe next off season, maybe Jones isn't a chief next year, you know, or, you know, in 2023. So it's very possible. So I think it's true. I think it's a good point. And the other, the other part of that, if that happens is going back to our trade, um, discussion at the beginning i think you would see colin saunders eventually traded if it's not on draft day it might be deep into training camp you say okay this team needs some bodies at d tackle you go ahead and give it because because you're probably not going to keep him at that point either um so i i can see how that puzzle just fits together really really well yeah no i i, I agree it's a, it's a good point you know we've gotten this far i mean i'm on my I'm, we're on the sixth overall pick and no one's taking receiver in the first round I mean, we all kind of hope it's the case, right? That the Chiefs at least take one of these guys. Although that's the thing. It does seem like, you know, the way it is, is coming, it, it does feel like, you know, it's going to be hard for one of the, the receivers they really like to fall to them. But let me tell you this, guys. I, I you know, I, I do think I've seen some questions about how this player could fit with the Chiefs offense. I really think he complements really well what the Chiefs do have existing. And he may not have the highest ceiling as a receiver, but I think he comes in and gives you a really high floor and just really competent hands. Going to get open. You know who I'm going with. It's Jahan Dotson, the receiver from Penn State. I think the Chiefs could really like what he brings. To the, like, I just think he's he's not the bigger receiver guy, but they have plenty of those now, I think, and they also, also could draft another one here in this draft. I think Jahan Dotson could be that, that slot Z type that not like McColl. But like someone that can actually, you know, get open, you know, know how to under, you know, know how to maneuver zone coverages, you know, have reliable hands, you know, he has an insane catch radius for his size. I, I really like him as a receiver. And I think the Chiefs could too. I really think Andy could, you know, I think he needs a guy like this. I think, and, and I've come to Emmanuel Sanders and I think the Chiefs could really use a guy like that now that they don't have, um, you know, they, they kind of have a lot of, you know, bigger guys, you know, MBS is vertical speed, but maybe not side to side speed. Um, yeah, I, I really like the idea of him in the offense. I, I really do. I I admit that he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I admit that he's not going to be maybe a, you know, a number one wide receiver one day, maybe potentially. I mean, you know, to, you know, a lower level maybe of one. But at the same time, man, I, I think he's going to give you a really high floor and just really competent play. And Patrick Mahomes is going to enjoy having him on, on, on the team if they go that direction. So Jahan Dotson is my pick. Um, any reaction from that? Because I, I do feel like he's kind of a, I, I see people that just like say blah when they see him get drafted to the Chiefs. Man, I, I don't, like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, yeah, I, I think I, he needs more respect. He does, man. I I love his hands. He catches everything. And, you know, I feel like we've talked a little bit about it. His quarterback play was all over the place at Penn State. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, that is so true. Watching yeah. him in depth, man. Like, holy cow. Like, one of, sorry to interrupt, but one no, of the, good. one of the tweets I put out to, for my article was against Iowa towards the end of the game man dude just burns burns the deep safety both times to the to the open side you know to to the field side like just has all this field in front of him on these deep posts at the end of the game to like win the game basically and both of the throws just go completely like bending back the other way like 
just all you all he has to do is throw it into space. Like it's just it's you know I don't know I couldn't imagine how much production he lost from having the quarterbacks he had at Penn State. But go ahead. Yeah, man, I think he could be someone that playing with a guy like Patrick Mahomes in the offense like the Chiefs have. I think he would be very productive. So I would love that as a first round pick. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take a deep shot here and say the Chiefs trade up for Jameson Williams. Um, you know, they had him in for a visit. You know, maybe smoke screens. You know, I, I know those games are played behind the scenes, but but man, Jameson Williams brings a lot. And you know, he's fast. He's reliable. He uh, he, he can run some nice routes. He in in what he would do. Uh, replace I don't, I don't want to say he's going to replace Tyreek Hill because you just you can't replace a Tyreek Hill but he would um come in and play the role that a Tyreek Hill is leaving so um and I think if you do get a guy like Jameson Williams all of a sudden that, that McCole Hardner thing we were referring to earlier probably happens yeah I love it I love it we're taking swings man uh you guys are taking swings and I do think we know Brett Veach, man. He's it's just so hard to see him not being, you know, making some sort of swing in this. So I do think it's smart for you guys to go with that strategy. So Brian, are you going to continue going to swings here? Or are you going to maybe play it more conservative with this third round pick? <clears throat> I, I'm going to scale it back here in a moment, but I, before I move on to that, I, I want to touch on this wide receiver conversation. And yeah. I'm, you know, you said Ron, like with Dotson and how the consensus seems to be like, it would just be a okay pick or, you know, people yeah would be kind of, I don't know, let down by it. And I don't get it at all either. And um, the thing that, you know, people kind of knock him for is the weight, right? You know, is he, is he that strong? Is he able to, to play through contact and what have you? But we're talking about a wide receiver class that's full of guys who have that, that question mark, right? I mean, even mm-hmm. Jamison Williams, that's kind of like his big thing is how strong is he through contact? Um, Alave, same thing. Um, so, the thing you have to ask yourself is what team is going to use them the best. And I got a lot of confidence in the chiefs right now with Andy Reid and Mahomes and, and the whole they have at the Z receiver you're bringing him or Williams. Um, when I say him, I mean, um, Dotson. Yeah. And you're not asking them to get on the line of scrimmage and get off a of press that much. You're really yeah, not. Exactly. You're going to use them the right way. And, and they're gonna they're gonna do their best work, I think, with a team like like the Chiefs. So um, that would be a great pick and one I could definitely see. But I'm going to triple down on the defense, <laughs> on the defensive line because you guys took um, the top receivers that I had in mind, and I'm actually gonna go with Boye Mafe, the edge out of Minnesota. Another guy, um, I would take him at 29 or 30. I wouldn't trade up for him. But my thing is. Does he have the the weight or the length that maybe in the past they seem to really want out of their their DNs? No, but he can play. I think he has a lot of potential. I don't think there's a, a whole lot of point in in getting too wrapped up in the you know the measurables. There's a lot of guys who don't fit that, and and at some point you just got to say who who can play, who can set an edge solid at a solid level and rush the passer a little bit. And I think Mafe could do that. But the, the thing that sells me most is, I believe, no better situation than to bring Mafe in somewhere that has um, a guy like Melvin Ingram who fits the, that same exact conversation. Short arms, not the heaviest in terms of, of a 4-3 defensive end. Mm-hmm. Well, you bring Ingram back, and he can really teach that kid some things, I think, about how to use his, his body type um, and get the most out of it. I think he's, you know, I know that's you're assuming a lot of things there. You're assuming they have Ingram back, but 
I really like that idea to help Mafe reach his ceiling. Um, and, and so, yeah, three, three defensive linemen for me, but I, I don't see them getting out of the first round without one. So that's the reasoning behind that. And I think with the Melvin Ingram thing, you could say the same thing with Eba Katie too. Um, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I, I, I was corrected the other day. It, it, apparently, it is Ibikati. I've been saying Ibikati all offseason. So just 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 letting everyone know. Uh, you know, I'm not just switching it up out of out of randomly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think that's I think that's a really good point in the defensive line because I they got to get somebody, and so it's good we've all kind of stocked up on all the guys. But there is one guy we have not picked, and that's who I'm going to go with. And that's David Ojabo. Um, I do think the Chiefs have to. I mean, in my opinion, it, you sprint. It to the if you don't have to trade up for him, if he's there at 29 or 30, I get it, man. You really want to have someone that can contribute right away, depending on who else is there. Maybe, you know, maybe you do take uh Eba Katie, uh, you know, before Ojabo because you know, maybe you like Ojabo more as a player, but you're just like, man, I'll take my swing on Eba Katie because I know he'll be, I'll, I'll get my hands on him right away and, and see him right away, which I know is kind of, you know, it might be bad logic to some extent, but I don't know. I, I you got to take Ojabo, in my opinion, just because you never get a, to take, you're never able to take that swing at that high level of a talent. So, David Ojabo is who I'm picking around at our draft. So, I'm going to re- recap the teams real quick. Talon, you took Daxon Hill, Arnold DeBacati, and Jameson Williams. So, I mean, <laughs> we get one of those. I think we're all, we're all feeling pretty good. Uh, and I feel like we're going to, I could say that about all of our teams. Brian, you took Jermaine Johnson, the second, Devontae White, and Boye Mafe. And uh, I went. I wound up with George Karloftis, Jahan Dotson, and David Ojabo. I mean, I could go another round probably, um, but but that's the thing. Uh, we could go all day with this kind of stuff. And and next week is the last episode before the draft. As crazy as it sounds, it is. But it's going to be the best episode of the entire uh, off season so far. So we're excited for it. It's going to be good. Ron Cop, ArrowheadPride.com. Welcome, Ron. Jay, really appreciate you having me on, man. Now, this has been so fun to do all off season. Uh, you kept bringing me on, even in the season, you know, but uh, draft season, there's nothing like draft season, man. No, Breaking down isn't. prospects, all the possibilities, all the all the different things that can happen. I love it, man. I love it. Thanks and, for having me on. And please welcome producer extraordinaire, Julio Sanchez. Julio, come on down. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank You're, you very much. Nice. It just felt like introductions were proper with that music. It seemed like introduction-type music. You know what I'm saying? It took us a while to get there, didn't it? Like draft-type music. Yeah, it, it felt like introduction-type music. So, good to have you, Ron. We're one week away from the NFL draft. Yes, You we were are. with me last week. We talked a lot of, uh, well, Julio, this is uh, geek out time. And you know what? It's okay, now. I know you've accused me at this at times, and this is where it's acceptable. This is your platform. This is in the right wheelhouse to talk this. I, th- I think I had Thor on one time. Nystrom, the draft guy, and you're like, I like that stuff, but it was like pretty detailed. <laughs> it, was like, it was hardcore. It was hardcore. Well, Thor will join us tonight at seven o'clock, so that'll be fun talking to Thor, one of my favorite draft guys. Yeah, in really the good, business. really good draft uh, Twitter follow. Really and good I, Twitter follow. And I have Josh Edwards from CBS. I like him too. He's the editor over there at CBS. He just put out a seven round mock, which I got a lot of respect for. I, I put out seven round mocks, but only the Chiefs. I mean, I don't go every team, all thirty two teams yeah. in the NFL seven rounds. So, and hey, I, I've got my thirty two pick uh regular mock draft for all 32 teams and it's tough because sometimes you're like i get this guy twice yeah like it is so easy to do i can Sorry imagine how easy of. that's to do in a seven round all team mock uh yeah. 
it's, it's it's these guys it's these it's these experts that uh that have a lot of intel right you know you're looking at you know you know who teams have met with and everything but to put it all together man to go all seven rounds uh probably drive them crazy to you know you're probably going you know by the fifth round you're probably like all right what am i doing here you gotta well, stick why? with the board you gotta stick with the board because you can't do a bunch of <laughs> trades because then you start really confusing yourself mentally of course yeah and oh yeah we gave up a third rounder at pittsburgh earlier what are we gonna do now so but that's the thing people eat it up man that's why they do it man oh, they do. I, I love them. I, I click on them. them. I, I read them. So I mean, I read every single them, mock out there, and we got <laughs> I got all the uh, mocks uh, from different people. Uh, Kuiper and McShay did one together uh, from ESPN.com, and of course, Kuiper had the Chiefs trading down for Jamison Williams before, but this was interesting because they went pick after pick. So it was McShay, then Kuiper, then yeah. McShay, then Kuiper, and I'll tell you who they selected for the Kansas City Chiefs because they both had a dart to throw at the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do that. Later on the show, and I'm really looking forward to this. Lucas Cruel, who played at Mill yeah. Valley. He played at the University of Florida, and he played at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was his quarterback, second team all ACC. Uh, Lucas, big dude. He visited the Chiefs, top 30 visit. He was one of the guys to visit the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a tight end, played locally at Mill Valley, won a couple state championships out there, went to Florida, graduated in like two years or three years. Yeah. Then he went and got his MBA at Pittsburgh, was a tight end for the Panthers. And uh, interesting guy. He worked out with Kenny Pickett. Then later on, he worked out with the late uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's a, he's got a really interesting backstory. I mean, he committed to originally play baseball, uh, you know, at the University of Arkansas. It's a big high school. pitcher, man. Yeah. And and then, you know, actually, you know, even played at another college at baseball before finally deciding, hey, I'm, I'm going to try, you know, f- football again. Somehow, you know, from baseball, went to go play at directly to the University of Florida for football. I mean, you know, that's that's how impressive he was in high school. And I remember my, you know, funny enough, we were in the same graduating class in the same area, never played against each other, but definitely remember him dominating high school. So I am not surprised that he is, you know, a, a, a prospect that people are kind of, you know, a sleeper kind of prospect in this. Draft. I read somewhere he was at Jefferson College and Jeff City he had like 27 strikeouts in the 16th inning. <laughs> he was drafted in the 34th round by the Giants. Yeah. So he has been drafted yeah, in Major League Baseball. Right. And has a chance to go in the NFL draft this season, put up huge numbers at his pro days. I mean, very... Four five four at six foot, yeah, and uh, two hundred sixty pounds. So he's an impressive. Uh, yeah, no, he, it's it's not just the Chiefs that are like a, that. He's a, a guy that people are looking out for. I feel like it's a whole NFL thing. He's a he's a, a wide, you know, a, a someone that you know is kind of a sleeper guy that everyone's starting to notice a little bit. Yeah, athletically, numbers. he finished top four of all tight ends and yeah. like the vert and the forty and the shuttle time and everything else. Is, it's insane just how good he is. But also your mock drafts as well nine one three five seven six. 7610, the J Southland Tow Service text line. I know you guys send in mock drafts all the time. I'm sure Ron gets a lot of them. I get a lot of them. I don't know if you do or not. but uh, Oh, it's daily. Oh, a lot of gosh. people want me to, to grade it. What do yeah. you think of this or that? or? You know, I, I've learned this offseason that I'm not as big of a mock draft guy as, as like the general, like, you know, the the, the typical uh, football nerd draft nerd is. I just, I don't know. I don't do as many mock drafts as I feel like a lot of these guys do. I see them every day. Uh, and our Arrowhead Pride Slack chat guys are sending mock drafts every day. I just, I, I, I don't like doing it too much because I feel like that, you know, a lot of the simulators don't have the, the, the value right, in my opinion. You know, you're, yep. you're picking, you know, uh, you know, guys that aren't going to be there and, and picking guys at 62 that you don't even think are going to be there at 29 or 30 because it's not updated. Yeah, no, I don't know. But it, it is fun to see all the different mocks, all the different possibilities. And you mentioned the seven round mocks, man. Yeah, I, I just, how do you even know some of these seventh round prospects you're, you're drafting a, a lot of the time? You're just throwing darts, but that's what it's all about, man. That, that's why I love mock season. And the Chiefs have three seventh round picks, so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna use something with them. Well, it, it's fun, it is what it is. And Pro Football Focus and Pro Football Network, all these places have draft simulators. 
Yeah, exactly. So you can get in there and play around with it. I like to put one out. I put 4.0 out today, yes. 610sports.com. And I'm not real wishy-washy, too. What I do is a series of 1, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, I'll call the mix guys in. I'll, like I've had Boye Mafe uh, in the first round, a couple of them, and I have Christian Watson, a lot of them. Did he make four or not? But I put an and or in there as well because yeah. there's another receiver I really like. Kind of off the beaten path, a lot of you know questions, will this be a first round or not? And I like to pick guys where you pick them because if you miss on them and somebody else gets them, you might be kicking yourself later like I had a chance. Like all the people slept on Cooper Cup going to the third round. Yeah. They're like, could have had this guy in two straight rounds. I mean, he's a first rounder. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about it. Cooper Cup is a first rounder. At that point, you draft a guy from Eastern Washington, and people are saying, what are you doing? Or you're getting Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, yeah. and he's become one of the best safeties in the National Football no, League. That's actually a really good point because I, I do think there's a lot of value in, in just these smaller school guys because no matter how good you do at a D2 level, like at, at some point a team's not going to trust you enough maybe to, to take you in the you know a high pick, second or third round, uh, maybe is the highest you can go as, as a small school prospect, right? And so someone that the Chiefs have actually met with that I've – Highlighted on the site for Arrowhead Pride is Fayetteville State's uh, cornerback Joshua Williams. He's a, a bigger build, big dude, but he played at a D2 level. And, you know, some, as someone that likes to watch, you know, a, a full game, a guy, a, a, some all 22 film, if I can get it, you can't find it with with a D2 guy. And so I, I do think there's there's something to that where, you know, just because he didn't play at a D1 level, just because there wasn't a lot of exposure, he just can't go that high. So you automatically are getting a value because, hey, what if, you know, he, he might be as talented as some of these other guys. It's just so hard to tell when he didn't play at a D1 level. It may have a chip on his shoulder. Now, Cooper Cup right. was kind of different. I, I in these mock drafts, I had him mocked the Chiefs a few times because you know, he led the all time yeah. leader in the NCAA in receptions and yards. Stats. You don't do that by accident. Like, yeah. you don't, I don't care what level you're playing. It's right below, you know, Division One, And of course, North Dakota State, I have no problem picking somebody from there. They play Division One teams, yeah, and they just win national championships, and they keep filling their fingers yeah. full of, of of winning national titles. So I have no problem doing that whatsoever. But I don't like to be wishy washy either. If I, I pick somebody and I really like them, I don't like to all of a sudden take them out and put somebody else in because then it's like, did I really like them or was I just lying about how much I liked them well, before? But the second and third round, I do switch things up quite a bit from guys earlier on or maybe new guys that I didn't pick. That I'm like, cool. okay, let's 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 find the best picks I like in the second, third round, fourth round, and we'll throw them in to this mock draft. So not a lot of changes in 4.0. Yeah, but well, a few. Yeah, no, North Dakota State's kind of different in my opinion because you're right; they are looked at as as closer to a D1 program than than someone that's actually at a D2 level where it's 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 not even FCS; it's Division Two where you're you're playing in front of what thousands of fans at the most. And uh, FCS does play Division One all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, North Dakota State's beaten KU and K State. I'm, I'm pretty State sure. And they beat Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, so I, I think North Dakota State doesn't get that same level of the value of the player. I think. You know, you, you see guys go, you know, pretty high for North Korea. I mean, Carson Wentz was one of the top picks in the entire NFL draft. Um, Trey Lance just last year as well. So, yeah, but but other schools, I really do think, like, just because they're, you know, there's and there's a lot, of, especially at the cornerback position. I already mentioned Joshua Williams, but another guy, Zion McCollum, Sam Houston State. You know, that's a lower level of, of school. He's going well. to go lower just because of the school he went to, and he may be as talented as some of those guys. Montana so, State is the linebacker. That yeah. Talking oh, about man. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he, is, he has become a really hot name, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little overdrafted because, uh, you know, he's, his numbers were insane, um, and the NFL loves those kind of guys. Just You know, he's, he's almost like Taysom Hill, but, you know, maybe just, you know, on the defensive side of the ball where you can kind of throw him wherever. So we'll talk about that. Then I'll uh, let you grade my mock draft coming up here. At 6.15, you gave me a B-plus last week. There's a few t- changes and tweaks. 
I'll try to talk you into these picks. Yeah, I've like, I'll at try it. to talk you into them because that's what I did last time. Arnold Ebicady was a guy that I tried to talk you into, and you did this great profile on him. You had yes. already planned to do it, but <laughs> you had this great profile on him coming. I was like, oh, this kind of reinforces what I did. And the old Juice team just came out. Yeah, that Charles Robinson uh, did uh, it, with a group of people from Yahoo to honor the late great yes. Trez Paler that put out the old Juice team every year, and I really missed that. That's the stamp of approval. If your guy, uh, if you're mocking a guy and he's on, he's on that list. I mean, you got to feel good about your 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 mocking there. Uh, yeah, that's that's always a must read every every year on the Yahoo site. But yeah, no, I I, I really like Ibakadi, and I know we're going to get into it. But I I think it's just so important to Chiefs draft edge rusher in the first round, and and he just seems to be one of the most exciting prospects now like that that's the thing that doesn't mean you're the best prospect. That doesn't mean you're the safest or the guy that's gonna you know for sure turn out the the best, but it does seem like he is the most exciting just because his, his juice as a, as a pure edge rusher flying off the line of scrimmage, getting around the corner. So I, you know, he, he is one of the most exciting picks for sure out of all positions, any position you could take in the first round. And uh, we didn't mention Troy Anderson to win Montana state. Yeah, I think yeah. I did bring that up. Okay, good stuff. So we'll do that. We'll do mock 4.0. It's over at 610 sports.com right now. We will do this and then talk to Josh Edwards, CBS coming up at six 30. We do all this next on the chief draft special. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back to the Chiefs Draft Special. Jay Binkley with Ron Kopp, lead analyst over at arrowheadpride.com, and Julio Sanchez. we got a lot to get to the next three hours, all NFL drafts, so that's what we're doing. It's, it's Chiefs Draft Special, so it's all going to be NFL Draft. You might say, well, you just talked to draft the whole night. Well... It's a Chiefs draft special. We had the Royals this afternoon. We got the Chiefs draft to talk about now because that is a huge topic at this point. Man, anyone saying you can't fill up three hours of draft talk has never met me and Jay Binkley. So no. I, I, or never met you, especially because I, as long as I've known you, as long as I've been uh, growing up in this city on uh, listening to 610. You can talk some drafts, so any, anybody not knowing that we can fill up three hours, uh, they, they, are, they are new here, I would say. So 4-0 came out today, Mach 4.0. Um, put it out just a little bit ago. You can check it out at 610sports.com. And I don't like to be wishy-washy, as you know, Ron, but uh, uh, the last two mocks, I didn't earlier, but the last two mocks, I went with Arnold Ibikati, the uh, edge from Penn State. I really like him, and I- I'm to the point where it's like, do I really want to trade up to get a Jermaine Johnson or just stay put and hope that Carl Loftus falls to the Chiefs, which I don't think he is. And uh, Karloff just kind of reminds me a lot of Tomba. I mean, he's got that edge. Maybe it's the Penn State in him. I'm not sure. But he led the uh, Big Ten in tackles for loss with 18 and a half. Yeah. Had nine and a half sacks. He's a guy that did make that old juice team. Yes. And But it's not why he's on my team because I liked him before that. Um, but 28 uh, and a half tackles for loss in his whole career was at Temple. Transferred to Penn State. Uh, Mill Kuyper absolutely loves Arnold Ibikati, who could make it to the second round. Well, yeah, the thing I'm I'm surprised the Tomba Holly comp doesn't come up more often with him because I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I, I know Tomba in college he was more of just a straight up four three D and Ibiketti was was more of a stand up guy, maybe more of a, an outside linebacker. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they they are kind of similar players when you think about Tomba, just a pass rush specialist, man, just flying off that ball, knowing what to do when he when he gets engaged with the offensive tackle, the handwork. Obviously, Ibiketti as a as a young player, he's he's not, he doesn't have that Tomba handwork yet, but he's he's someone that's a raw young 
football player, not completely raw, but someone that can work on that and has the raw skills to really become a really good player. I think it's a guy that could contribute and be a, in the rotation right away. Right away. Yes. This is not somebody you have to wait on, like Ojabo or something like that, if he's not ready with the Achilles. But this is what Mel Kuyper had to say about him earlier. Arnold Epiquette, Todd, still remains to me one of the guys I like. I, I think he's deserving of being in a lot of these first-round mocks. He's deserving of being a guy that you think is one of the best 35 players in this draft. Nine and a half sacks off the edge, 18 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. James Franklin loved the fact that he came in from Temple, and he showed like up in here for three years. He came in humble, ready to work. He got that locker room right away. He went on that practice field and worked hard. Arnold Ebiquette has the mind, the makeup, the mindset, the physical and athletic ability is there. The production this year and at Temple was pretty good. It was great at Penn State this year. I think when you look at an outside backer getting off the edge, you provide some versatility, okay? Arnold Ebiquette, to me, is the guy, if he gets into the second round, Todd, uh, I think he's a heck of a pick. It could be a late one, but I still really like what Arnold Ebiquette will bring to a defense in terms of getting after the quarterback. You know, and this guy has the leadership ability. He went right into Penn State, and they all, you know, liked him. And he's got that that thing you like on, on a team, you know, mm-hmm. that leadership quotient, and he's got that. I mean, it, it, it counts what he does on the football field. But being a leader of men counts as well. I've mentioned it before with you, but yeah, two programs that you want to find guys from. I think Temple and Penn State are about as two good of programs. We're talking about the the culture there. Temple has a really good culture in terms of just their their uh, you know their strength and conditioning program. And Penn State it takes it to another level. So yeah, if you're if you're gonna find a guy from two schools, that's the way to do it. And I do want to point out real quick because I have all the stuff printed out. Might as well use it, right? Uh, you bet. The consensus big board, which is something that Arif Hassan of the Athletic puts together every year, which is it, it, all the ex- experts putting together their big boards into one consensus big board. Ibiketti is actually number fifty. So he's actually kind of underrated. Um, in my opinion, I would put him closer to the top 30 in the big board, but he's number 50 on the consensus uh, experts big board, which is surprising to me. Yeah. And I'm sure Mel Kuyper likes him though. He was, yeah. he's been talking about exactly. him being a first round pick and um, there's just, there's just a lot to like about this guy. And I look at the end of the first round and think, okay, who could they really get yeah. an edge uh, to make a difference for this team? And I think, He's the guy that I I like him better than Boye Mafe, and I okay. like some of these other I picks. I do too, but I like him better than that because he had production the whole time. Boye was sometimes tough to find the production. I like watching Dontari Poe film. Now, if you just watch the Senior Bowl, he shined. He was a national team defensive MVP. So Boye Mafe shined in two yeah. sacks in that game. But again, I'm going for full production, and he blocked two field goals, <laughs> and his three cone time yeah. is six nine five, which is better than Jahan Dotson, a wide receiver from Penn State. He had a better broad jump and a better vertical and a better three-cone time than their safety, Jaquan Brisker and Jahan Dodson. And it would have been top five wide receiver yeah. at the combine if he put that. That, that is huge for a dude that big. Well, no, anything under seven seconds for a receiver is actually really good. Anything under seven seconds for any other position is insane. And so, yeah, that, that is crazy. And I do, And I do want to point out, too, just the fact that you know, you, we talk about Penn State players. I mean, you know, yeah, Brisker, Ibiketti. You know, there's other guys too. Jesse you've played it down down the road. So yeah, Penn State puts out a lot of guys. But I do want to get into your your second first round pick too. My second first round pick, staying with Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. I've stayed with him. I thought about coming off because he does have a high drop rate, but his athletic profile is off the charts. His athletic profile is off the charts. Some people have him go as high as 22, yeah, 23, and he's not Olave. He's not Garrett Wilson. He's not Jameson Williams. But at the end. Could he end up being just as good as one of those guys and you put him at number two or three receivers in two years or three years? I think he could uh, 
end up being in there. But I like the speed. I like the fact that he had 57 plays of 20 yards or more. That that wow. just did. That's an explosive that is a big type player. Stat. Wow. And I like the fact that he blocks. And I like he's six four and runs a four three six. That, <laughs> yeah. that helps too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good fundamental to have or a good foundation to have. No, yeah, that, that's the thing. It does seem like he's definitely going to be someone that's there. I, I don't think we have to worry about. I mean, I know you just said he, he he's gone earlier in some mocks, but it does seem it like him like twenty two. Yeah, something. it does seem like he's going to be at twenty nine or thirty if the Chiefs want to take him. So or in I the do, second round, I do think. Yeah, exactly. And actually, the consensus big board again has him at the forty seventh position. Yeah. So again, he he is. You know, in terms of what the draft community thinks of him, he is more of a second round pick in, in the top. But that doesn't mean what the NFL thinks of him. So it'll be interesting. But you, the other guy, I want the other. Yeah, the other first round, of. I have Sky Moore. Yeah. And this is a guy Very interesting. that I had to really, really think about. He's 5'10, 195 pounds. Some people tell you he's the best route runner of the bunch. Yeah. Of, of the bunch. Even Garrett Wilson, Jameis Williams, everybody, the most crisp route runner in the draft. Uh, 171 catches in three years. Great blocker as well, who can be used. I know they brought in Juju and MVS, so this is my thing. Okay, do they need that 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", size? No, because they brought those guys in. Yeah, This could be that. He, he's a guy that catches everything. He's got quickness as well, but uh, a lot of people think he's a first-round pick, and even Chris Tapasso, CBS, says if he doesn't go in the first round, two to three years, you'll agree he should have been. Yeah, no, he definitely does seem like he's such a technician in terms of his route running. It's so hard to know how effective it is when you're playing at Western Michigan rather than an SEC score. Because I fell for Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah, but I I think it is a little different, though, because I do think Eskridge is a little more gadgety than Sky Moore is winning as a true receiver. He's winning on, you know, breaking guy off on a slant, you know, running great routes. You can see that. So probably the best route runner, in my opinion, in the bunch. Yeah, and I've actually, you know, this isn't a comparison that I thought of, but, you know, someone brought it up. Uh, Nate Tice of the Athletic mentioned Julian Edelman as a comparison when he thought of when he watches Sky Moore, just that route running, that ability to get open over the, you know, quick and short areas of the field, man, I I could see it just his technician, just the way he the way he works in the uh, middle area of the field. And I found this interesting too from NFL.com. Mark Ross, who is a personnel guy, not only for Andy Reid back in Philadelphia, but he's with the Giants for two of the Super Bowl wins. Okay. He was he was director of college scouting and everything else. He works for NFL.com. Brought him on a few times, but he's he's a Princeton guy. Played football there, but he was in the front office twice with the Giants for Super Bowls. So he's got two rings. And he says, "quote I've been saying for months now, Sky Moore is my favorite player in this year's draft." Whether big school wideouts are locks to going around one, Moore has the under the radar prospect at the start of the pre-draft process. He can match any of those uh, receivers like Jamison and and Drake London. Those guys, intelligence and skills. He has the talent and confidence to be a winning starter no matter where he is drafted. So that's yeah. coming from a personnel guy. Man, it's won two Super Bowls in the NFL. I know it, it's actually him for me, him and Watson. It actually is a tough. Uh, it's kind of a toss up for me a little bit. I, I like Watson's size and stuff, but man, Sky Moore can really get open. He's a really he's someone that can come in right away. I feel like and create separation at the NFL. And level. if you could play taller than he is, I mean, that's what yeah, that's what uh, Tyreek did. Former played, quarterback, too. He played. Yeah, played yeah. taller than what he was. All right. We are back in on the AP Draft Room podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Previewing the 2022 NFL draft from a Chiefs perspective, as always. But, you know, we want to, we, we're draft people. We just want to have our, our horizons broadened a little bit and look at the entire NFL for a second. And it'll be fun. And me and Brian right here are about to go through one through 32, do a quick first round mock draft, kind of see how the board falls out, maybe talk through some potential trade up options, depending on how the board falls uh, for the Chiefs. And then obviously we will end with picking the Chiefs' first round picks. Always fun to do mock drafts, Brian. You excited for this one today? Absolutely. This is the first time doing one this year where I'm kind of like working with another person. 
so it should be a blast. And my favorite thing about it's not just about the Chiefs, right? It's putting yourself in that chair. Okay, if I was the final decision maker for the New York Jets, you know, what am I going to do with these picks and factor in the information that we already have about, you know, what this team tried to do in free agency, what they did do in free agency. Uh, do they want to really load up for this year or is it all about the next three or five years, depending on job security, things like that. Um, doing these is it gets you ready for the, the real thing, gives you an idea of, of how things might fall. But of course there's always going to be some, you know, off the wall surprises. So uh, yeah, man, should be a, a great time here and uh, appreciate the listeners for following us along. Yeah. Let's go pretty quick through this because, you know, I know as chiefs fans, not everyone is super interested in the top 10 of the draft because the chiefs probably, although never say never, but probably will not be drafting there. But let's start here. I'm going to go first pick. I was, I was, uh, me and Talent actually did this a, a few weeks ago, and I was the second pick then. So I'll switch it up. I'll let Brian get the the evens in this draft. But with the first pick, and this is predictive, as you mentioned, you know, we're trying to, you know, just take the information we have, uh, you know, looking at mock drafts. Everyone's reading the mock drafts, and it's become pretty obvious that the Jaguars are fixated on Aiden Hutchinson, the edge from Michigan. Um, it, you know, I think. The offensive tackle pick was important at first, maybe for them. I guess it sounds like that they'd rather value edge and that they've shored up their offensive tackle position um, to not take one first overall. So there we go. Michigan edge, Aiden Hutchinson, who you got for number two? Number two, uh, the Detroit Lions, the dominant, historically great Lions. They have a lot of holes, but uh, I don't think this is the year they go quarterback. I think they're going to wait on that, roll with Goff while he has to be on the roster. And so we're going to go defensive line, uh, get them also stronger in the trenches than than what they have been. And the pick is going to be uh, Trevon Walker out of Georgia. He is kind of a one who's, who's climbing up boards a little bit, starting to make noise in the top five. I think Detroit might be the one who actually rolls the dice. Yeah, you're right. No, he definitely is. He, he's skyrocketed. I think guys like Jeremiah and Dan Brugler were high on him at first. And I think the rest of the community has understood why they were. So I like that pick. Number three, the Houston Texans here. I think they're a popular team to just take whichever best player available is there. They don't really have a position need in mind. And so that's why I think the Texans might want to just address the edge position you know, get somebody in there that's a super talented, just kind of, you know, uh, kind of develop your defensive line again after missing some, you know, missing out on JJ Watt, you know, leaving Kayvon Thibodeau going Kayvon Thibodeau here. I know it sounds like he's slipping a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it only takes one team to just say, you know what, he's a talented dude. Let's just take him. So Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau, uh, be a great pick for them. I, I think teams letting him fall too far to be a mistake. Now we're going to the Jets. First pick um, in the top 10 for them. At number four, there are wide receivers I think they really want, and we'll probably get to that at pick 10, but they're not going to reach just yet. And they have plenty of other holes to fill, and they're going to go with offensive tackle and Iki Aquanu. Yep. Some would say the best player in this draft class. Um, you know, it kind of depends on your flavor. What do you want? A little more refined in the run game than a lot of top tackles are these days in the draft. So they're going to sign up uh, Iki Aquanu. And now they're going to have both bookends uh, solidified on their offensive line. And, and the offensive line as a whole there will be looking pretty good after that pick for uh, Zach Wilson in year two. 
Yeah, Aquanu is definitely, uh, you know, Evan Neal seemed to be the consensus best offensive lineman, but Aquanu definitely feel, has felt like he's taken over that role, uh, national consensus. I still think I like Neal a little better, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I would rank Neal higher. Um, so, speaking of that, I think the Giants are on the board here, and, you know, it, it's tempting. They have two picks in the first uh, seven picks, so they'll have back-to-back, or not back-to-back picks, but, you know, two picks, you know, highly right here. I think they know the Panthers are on in on this offensive tackle class. I think they just want to secure their guy here. So they go Evan Neal. Get Evan Neal. You know, they've invested in offensive tackle recently in the draft, but you can never have enough guys, and they could definitely use another, you know, another guy there at right tackle. I think Andrew Thomas is their left tackle, or is it reversed? Either way, take Evan Neal. Your line just got better. Absolutely. Um, great pick. So we're moving to Carolina. This is where things are going to get kind of weird. Um, not not surprising, but a little weird. And we're going to dip into the quarterback pool. Their owner, David Tepper, ever since he bought the team a few years back, he has been just super aggressive about improving his team. He makes it very clear that, hey, if we don't have a, a top quarterback, we're just not going to compete for Super Bowls. And that's what they're trying to do. Um, but in this case, I think he's kind of desperate. And he doesn't want to go through another year uh, – you know, their head coach, Matt Rule, as well. They don't want to go through another year with Sam Darnold starting. So they're going to go ahead and roll the dice on Malik Willis at a Liberty, the quarterback who has the most physical upside. Uh, is he going to be ready to play day one? And probably not. Does that mean they're going to do it? I think they probably will play him from the start. But I do see Carolina going quarterback one way or the other in the first round. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the thing with Malik Willis um, and the Carolina fit is that if you're Carolina, you can get away with kind of saying, okay, now you need to give us this time to see this dude develop. And so you maybe buy yourself, you know, a, a few more years as a GM, as a regime, you know, without getting fired. But because uh, it has not gone well there so far. Um, but number seven, the Giants here, their second first round pick. You know, Kyle Hamilton's still on the board. But I think they're going to go another defensive back here, and I'm going to go Sauce Gardner. It seems like he has really become the CB1 nationally. Um, I have Stingley rated higher, although I, I will admit it's not a position I've really studied super hard because the Chiefs will not be picking any of these guys, unfortunately, as cool as it would be. But uh, Sauce Gardner, I do think uh, teams are coveting him, and he's going to be the first corner off the board. So Giants uh, improve their secondary there. Absolutely. Another good one. Um, now we're transitioning into Atlanta Falcons, pick number eight. They just traded their quarterback away to take on the largest cap hit for a player who – a dead cap hit, a player not on the roster of the history of the NFL. So not great there. We already know what happened at the wide receiver position with suspension to um, Calvin Ridley. Yep. So they can go a lot of different directions, but I'm going to have them taking – what I think is one of the better edge prospects in the draft, and that's Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, an area that they can really improve upon. Um, you know, he's got a little history in that state. You know, he spent the beginning of his college career on the Georgia Bulldogs before transferring to Florida State, and I think he makes them better uh, along the defensive line for at least the next five years and, and probably longer. Jermaine, those who have been listening to this show know, one of my favorites in the class. I wish he would last longer, but here he goes to Atlanta. See, yeah, I, I think Jermaine Johnson's that guy. I mentioned it actually. I was on with Jay Binkley at six ten. He's that guy that if he does fall, he's he's the one guy I could see maybe falling out of the top tier of edge rushers into like maybe the fifteen ish pick. Maybe it's hopeful. It really is hoping. But if that happens, I think the Chiefs would be justified in moving up whatever it takes to get him if he falls in that range. So he's a guy 
I'm kind of interested to see how, you know, where he goes in the draft, obviously. Seattle's at number nine. They traded uh, with Denver, obviously. Denver had this original pick. Seattle's just got so many. I think they're kind of low-key in a rebuild. They're maybe rebuilding on the fly a little bit. And I think one way they can uh, help, you know, whichever quarterback gets there is drafting an offensive lineman. I think Charles Cross here just gives you pass protection as a left tackle. Um, I think he's a high floor kind of left tackle. He may not be, doesn't have the build to really be a, you know, maybe a dominating guy, you know, but I think he's definitely a guy that's going to be really good in pass protection and, you know, protect the blind side of Drew Locke, maybe. Uh, hopefully not if you're a Seahawks fan, right? Yeah, they, they, there's another one. Could go quarterback. We'll, we'll be watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can also see them. If Willis is there, I think that'd be the pick maybe, but I otherwise I think they might wait till round two. Uh, so we're now we're at the Jets again. That happened fast. Pick 10. They're up. And I'm going to go with maybe the biggest surprise so far. Who was the other team outside of the Miami Dolphins trying to trade for Tyreek Hill? It was the New York Jets. And I think what they're going to do here is get some comfort with Jamison Williams and where his medical situation is. And they're going to say, okay, we have a chance to add a, a elite level deep threat for our young quarterback who can blow the top off of defenses. Um, and they're going to swing on Jamison Williams at pick 10, ACL and all, hoping, counting on him to be ready by the time the regular season starts. And like I said, to be the difference-making, game-breaking type of receiver that Zach Wilson needs to reach whatever his ceiling might end up being. Yeah, we wouldn't have done this mock draft justification if we wouldn't have given the Jets a receiver with one of their first picks. Because I think if you listen to Jets, beat writers or just uh you know uh guys following the draft in the Jets perspective it's very apparent very obvious that the reason they were in on Tyreek Hill is because they just want to get a, a top receiver for Zach Wilson and so it, even if you know obviously these guys aren't gonna be on Tyreek's level there's still wide receiver one potential and in, in, in that top three tier we talked about earlier I think Garrett Wilson Jameson Williams or Drake London all three of them are potential options for the Jets Jameson Williams goes number 10 Washington commanders up at number 11 still really weird to say um, you know, they have a di bunch of different directions they could go here. I know people talk about them potentially picking quarterback. You know, I I, I don't want to go with that there here just because I think Washington has other holes they can address. And, you know, they have Carson Wentz now. Just see how that goes. He might as well uh, surround him with as much talent as possible. So with that said, I think this is where another receiver could go off the board. And I'm going to go with my guy, Garrett Wilson. I think they double up at receiver, give him in terms of, you know, they have Trey, Terry McLaurin right now. Give Carson Wentz no excuses. Um, if he's if they don't win with that or if their offense isn't good, it's because of him. It's not because of who they surrounded him with. Yeah, Garrett Wilson is uh, maybe, you know, like like for you, Ron, he's a top receiver on your board. I'm sure a lot of teams, what, what we're kind of hearing, seeing leak out, seems like, okay, if you're one of those people who's thinking he's going to go late in the first round, it's time to go ahead and transition your thinking. He's going to go high, so I like that fit. Now we're at pick 12, Minnesota Vikings. They have a new front office, a new general manager. So hard to really know like what positions they're going to value the most. But uh, I'm going to go actually with Jordan Davis, uh, the defensive oh, yeah. tackle uh, who, who tore the combine up. And just, just being one of those picks where he can fit on just about any team if you want to spin it because he's going to change the math. For, for your team. Um, he's going to make your run defense, you know, work with six, seven guys in the box tops. And so uh, I think they're going to roll the dice on that and try to get the next 
Don Terry Poe, uh, if not something better with Jordan Davis in Minnesota. Yeah, I think, again, I think we're having, we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to accuracy when it comes to Jordan Davis. I mean, he ha- doesn't have that combine and not go very high in the draft. The NFL, NFL teams just operate that way. They see freak of athletes like that. And Don Terry Poe went, what, 11 or 10, I think? Uh, I, I believe it was actually this, yeah, maybe even 12. So Maybe 12. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a good comparison and a, a good example. Now here at 13, the Texans are in a dream scenario. I think uh, the guy I'm going to have them pick is someone they probably thought they might have at three. Kyle Hamilton slips all the way to 13, which I do think is a little realistic with what we've heard. Apparently, he's just has not tested well. Um, and and if you're not going to be testing well, the whole reason everyone was excited about him is because he moved super well at 6'4", 220 or whatever. If he's not moving well, then all of a sudden he's not someone that's people maybe as excited about. So, but at the same time, I'm I, I think he's a really good player, and and the Texans just really just absolutely loaded their defense, getting Thibodeau and Hamilton with their first couple picks. So Hamilton, a hey, little bit of a seamless fill in for Justin Reed, the Chiefs' new signing at safety. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Have him crossover. Okay, now we're at Baltimore, pick fourteen a team who does have a steady front office. We kind of know, okay, they really value these types of spots. And you're looking at this board now. I think this is where they go ahead and pick up uh, Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback, who um, he's got some questions about his last two years. I mean, for me, I think he just kind of after that first freshman season where he was elite, I think he was just kind of ready to move on, as bad as that might sound. You know, he probably read the – the headlines a little bit, the press clippings, the Ravens, they're going to go ahead and sign him up and, and solidify their back end. Cause we know historically they like to be aggressive on defense and play that man-to-man coverage. Yep. I like it. That makes sense to me. Uh, pick 15, the Eagles, we're going to address their secondary. I think they're always looking for, for better players in the, at the cornerback position. Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner goes off here. Um, I definitely think he's going to be a, a lock. Uh, for the top of the first round, uh, you know, maybe in the first 15. This is where he goes here. But they have back-to-back picks, Brian. So who do you think they have going with the next pick, picking off of McDuffie? Oh, yeah. Um, they could go in several directions, too. We know they, they almost lost Fletcher Cox with his contract situation. So I wonder if they'd be tempted to go defensive tackle. Um, I'm actually going to have them drafting a little bit ahead of the game. We know that it's only a matter of time before Jason Kelsey moves on as their center of the last 10 plus years. And I'm going to have them pick up um, who many would call the best interior offensive lineman in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum, and just say, Hey, they'll figure it out for this year, whether it's guard or uh, right guard, something like that. I know they have Landon Dickerson as well on the, on the team, but if nothing else, he's going to be a long-term fit at the center position and a, and a darn good one at that for the Eagles, Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Yeah, no, yeah, they 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 picked Landon Dickerson last year, but he's been playing some guard for them, and I just think you're right. I think they just need to be aware of of Jason Kelsey retiring because yeah, he's not as soon as you know, that's gonna be a heck of a drop off. You don't want to you know you kind of want to be more prepared than just uh, you know throwing anybody in there. So Chargers that pick 17, they're an interesting team, man. I feel like they could go a lot of different directions. They're a team I think Jamison Williams has been popularly mocked to. Thankfully, he didn't fall there because I would not want them to have Jamison Williams. Uh, so shout out you for picking him early. But, you know, this is where I think the Chargers could really address something that has not been very good for them. And that is the linebacker position. I know they picked Kenneth Murray a couple of years ago. I don't think he's really been, uh, you know, what 
maybe they hoped he would be. They get Devin Lloyd here, the Utah linebacker. I just think they have they have pieces in their front front. They have pieces in their secondary. I just feel like they could really use a better player at the linebacker position. And I think Devin Lloyd, it seems like he's going to be the first linebacker taken. I just think it makes sense that the Chargers get the best linebacker in the class. That would be one that would, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd feel good about that with them being in the division. They would definitely be getting better. Yeah. Now we are transitioning to the Saints. Uh, their top need is probably wide receiver. And with what happened these last couple of years with Michael Thomas, he's been, you know, basically on the shelf completely with injuries, lower body injuries. That's where I think they go here. They need to get faster, give Jameis Winston an explosive threat down the field. Uh, and that's where we go to one of the draft's fastest wideouts, Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Maybe a little higher than some are expecting, but not that much. I think he's a first-round pick all day. Uh, so the Saints are going to go with Olave, Ohio State burner, who can take the top off against uh, probably any any defense that he's going to see. Yeah, I was tempted to go Olave for the Chargers, uh, but it was just it's one of those things where I think some of these teams are are going to, you know, depending on the team, I think the Chargers are a team that understand maybe uh, the analytics of it in terms of you can find a receiver later. Um, I think linebacker is actually probably one of those positions too. It's probably not a good argument, but uh, they'll find a receiver later. I think the Chargers are going to come away in the draft with a receiver that's going to contribute for them, whether it's the first or second round. Eagles pick number 19. You know, they, they picked Tyler Lindebaum earlier. They picked uh, Trent McDuffie as well. So they've addressed those, those two positions. But I do think something you mentioned earlier makes a lot of sense. And I do think Devontae Wyatt, if you talk about a comparison and as an NFL pro, uh, pro Fletcher Cox is actually probably a pretty good comparison for the type of player he is. Someone that can be a run stuffer, has that big mass, but also can penetrate and be that three tech, you know, flying in the backfield. Kind of has the best of both worlds there. Devontae Wyatt goes to Philly and, and boosts their defensive line. Now we are off to pick 20. Pittsburgh Steelers, I think they would maybe like to go up and get a quarterback this year. Um, but the guy they wanted is gone. I think they really want Malik Willis. And so what they're going to do, they're going to do the best they can to put things around Mitch Trubisky and make it work this season. And that's going to involve taking an offensive tackle. So I have them taking the really physical uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Probably a little high for me. Uh, I, I don't think he is a 20th overall player in the class, but their offensive line has been a mess the last two seasons, and so it's going to be a choice that you're going to have a hard time pushing back against, especially when Trubisky is the guy leading your offense. He, he needs protection if it's going to work out. Yeah, Penning is one of those highlight reel prospects for sure. I mean, it. I, I agree with you. I He's, he's going to go higher than I would – feel comfortable necessarily picking him but at the same time he, he has the the ceiling to where yeah he, he probably does deserve to go that high ceiling wise because he is a nasty dude and yeah i do think he he, he combines it with some quick feet you know when i watched him i actually was pretty impressed with him he still was only the fifth rated offensive tackle for me in the class but uh i think i think he's got a lot of a, a very high ceiling so patriots have picked 21 though this is obviously a big pick in the afc patriots kind of in the same not the same position as the Chiefs, obviously, but like everyone else in the AFC did a lot this offseason. I feel like the Patriots are one team that really didn't. And they're kind of, you know, behind the ball in terms of trying to get uh, more players, you know, and, and just be a better team. But 
You know, they don't have J.C. Jackson anymore. They don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore. I think naturally an easy fit here is Andrew Booth Jr., the Clemson cornerback. I did hear that he has sports hernia surgery early, uh, you know, recently. So I don't know. That might, uh, you know, slip make him slip in the draft a little bit. But at the same time, he's a guy that we've I've seen, you know, maybe a little earlier than this too. So this could be him slipping to 21. But he's a really good player. I, I, I It's not a guy I've, I've looked into too in-depth, but – uh, he's a very highly touted prospect for sure. Yeah, Patriots definitely have gotten worse like the Chiefs have so far. And um, I don't know, different than the Chiefs, where I think they have enough picks to really make up ground. I don't know that the Patriots can, but that's a good pick. That's a player who, if he ended up in Kansas City, I think we'd be really excited. Uh, so now it's Green Bay. Green Bay, uh, they need, well, they need help at positions like the Chiefs do. Wide receiver, edge, okay, these are kind of, their top needs and I am going to have them going with a wide receiver. I think that Aaron Rodgers, he just lost Devonte Adams. He's going to kind of bang the table. Um, and with him being under contract for several years now, they need to keep him happy. So we are going to take Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, big body, a little different than Devonte, but Aaron's used to throw into these big targets, these long armed frames. And so London should fit right in in green Bay. Yep. No, I think that's a good pick there. Green Bay, you know, it, it is a funny kind of posi- uh, position that the Chiefs and the Packers are in. They're they're probably going to be picking each other's players or guys that they, you know, I guess the Packers are ahead of the Chiefs, so it'd be that really the Packers picking players the Chiefs want. Maybe the Chiefs having to leapfrog them at 22 and 28 because you're right. They have very similar needs with their first few picks. So Cardinals here at 23. This is kind of a tough one. I, You know, they're a team that they want to compete right now, right? They're they're in win now mode with Kyler Murray on his rookie deal still, um, and so they need to they need to get as good as possible and and you know not really looking too long term, maybe just short term. And so it is tempting to go with the receiver here. I think the Cardinals could add to their receiving core. They lost AJ Green this off season. They could also add to their defense. Man, it is tough. This one is coming down to the wire for me. But you know what? I will give them Daxton Hill, the Michigan safety. I think they could use a little more versatility in the secondary. He's a guy that can play cornerback and safety for you, um, at least slot cornerback. That's what he played in college a lot of the time. He's a guy that the Chiefs could use definitely with that versatility. But I think the Cardinals, they have playmakers in the secondary, but they need a few more, and uh, and and that's what they're going to get with uh, Daxon Hill. Like that one, Dax coming off quicker than the Chiefs can uh, make a move on. I think he's still in, in the picture for them possibly. So now we – Come up to everybody's favorite team, Dallas Cowboys, uh, pick number 24. I thought about going the wide receiver, Traylon Burks, out of Arkansas. You know, Jerry's a Jerry Jones, that is. He's an Arkansas guy. Um, I could see them trying to kind of replace what they lost with Amari Cooper leaving. But I am going to have them taking the type of swing that we've seen them do before. And, and maybe this is crazy because I know they're in win now mode, but. Uh, I'm going to have them taking David Ajabo, uh, being the ones who go ahead and say, okay, we pick late in the draft quite quite often, or we expect to. Let's get an edge, a position they always invest in, uh, someone who could eventually be a top of the NFL type of pass rusher. So Ajabo comes off earlier than I think most are expecting here, uh, but I could definitely see wide receiver too with the Dallas Cowboys. No, I think it's pretty realistic when you I, – I think we are getting a little too comfortable with just saying, all right, Ojabo will be there in the first round. Let's just take him. Because um, I'm very excited about the prospects of taking Ojabo. 
because you're right. I think what you just said about the Cowboys is the same about the Chiefs. You're not going to be picking here very often. You're getting an, a guy that was is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be picked way higher than this, um, so you might as well take it. I do think they might have to trade up still a little bit for him in that range. So I like – and the Cowboys definitely need um, more help with, you know, their young edge rushers. I think they, was, they lost Randy Gregory, obviously. They could use a little more juice there. So Bills are at 25. They're definitely a team I'm glad Ojabo didn't get to. But this is a fit that I really don't like because I'm a Chiefs fan, but it makes a lot of sense, and the Bills are going to get a lot better when they draft Jahan Dotson from Penn State here, the wide receiver. Uh, you know, we, we hear rumors. Was Has Cole Beasley been officially released? I can't remember, honestly, the top of my head. Or is it just a rumor? Has no, he, he was he was released, and then they okay. signed uh, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, 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 okay. Well, either way, Jahan Dawson is that guy that, uh, you know, plays slot or Z. I think he could be an outside receiver as well at the at the, at the next level. And, you know, I think the Bills understand, uh, you know, how the, today's NFL goes. Let's just get a lot of weapons, and we have the quarterback. And Jahan Dotson is definitely going to make, uh, you know, he's going to make the most of Allen's throws. I just think he creates separation. He's a big play threat. So, yeah, not a huge fan of that as a Chiefs fan, but, hey, that's how it goes. It's a good pick by the Bills. Yeah, that would set the stage for them. I think they're already set to to have their best run possibly um, in several years. But, okay, here we go. Tennessee, pick 26. They are going to, you know, they, they brought in Robert Woods. Um via trade, an upgrade over what they had with Julio Jones last year, but I don't think they're done yet. I'm not saying they're going to trade A.J. Brown. I think they'd be crazy if they did, but it's possible, and so they're going to insulate against that, add their number three receiver who could become a number one, number two, and that's going to be Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I just think he fits their style. The the physical kind of does a little bit of everything. I think they would find ways to just – let him, you know, get downhill and and get the ball in his hands and be a punisher as a ball carrier. So Traylon Burks to Tennessee at pick 26 is what I've got. Yeah, Burks fits very well in their offense. That's actually a great fit. And if, if he's there, I, I, I could definitely see Tennessee, uh, you know, being being very uh, hard pressed uh, to to pass on him. So. Buccaneers at 27. This is an interesting pick. I think a lot of people thought they could go quarterback and then Brady comes back. And so now they're in win now mode again. So you want to get somebody that can contribute right away. You know, they did lose some help on the interior offensive line in the off season. And so I think Zion Johnson's a natural fit here. I really like him. I think he's going to be a, a starting guard in the NFL for sure. Um, he could definitely play some center too. And so I think the Buccaneers get lucky again. They picked Tristan Wirfs a few years ago. I think Zion Johnson's going to have a similar impact to where he could start right away and, and be a really good player. We're going to hate the Buccaneers for another year <laughs> at least. So, yeah. At least. There's there's that one. Um, I, I have Green Bay up again, 28. They like the Chiefs, two picks in the in the 20s, 30 range. Um, this time they went wide receiver with Drake London. This time we're going edge, another big need now that Zadarius Smith is gone. The player I just wrote a draft profile on, it'll be out probably uh, within the next couple of days if you're listening to this. And that's Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. I think he's just a scheme fit, you know, more of a pass rusher, pure pass rusher, doesn't defend the run the best, can be kind of a more of a 3-4 outside linebacker type, which is what Zadarius and Preston Smith were. And, of course, Rashawn Gary's there. Um, so they're going to have to get creative in how they use him. Because uh, they do have a couple of guys already uh, with, with Gary and Preston Smith, but 
We know you can't ever have enough pass rushers, and he's one who has a lot of potential. So Boye Mafe from Minnesota to Green Bay at 28. All right, here we go. Pick 29. Chiefs are on the clock. We are going to be looking at, uh, you know, we talk about edge and receiver, obviously. I think one guy I see right away and, and think I want to take is George Karloftis, the Purdue edge. I know he's not the most exciting player. I do think he's gotten to the point where uh, I think a lot of people look at him as kind of a, a bland, just like a, a strong dude, a solid dude, but maybe he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I may disagree a little bit. I, you know, he's a raw prospect. He did not play football very long before uh, he got to Purdue. And he's still a young, a really young football player, but you see he has the natural strength, the natural leverage, just understands how to be, you know, a, a physical player. And, you know, the Chiefs value that at edge. That's the guy I really want to go with. I'm tempted with a, a few other picks, but I'm going to make you make that tough decision because you have pick 30. But I'm going George Karloftis here. Chiefs get an edge that can start right away for them, in my opinion. Maybe, you know, maybe not really good reps or anything, but Karloftis can come in and play right away. So I'm going to go George Karloftis. No, I can get behind that for sure. I, I He's kind of being a little downplayed. You know, I, I understand the testing is a piece of the puzzle, but there's something to be said for just being a good football player. And I think Karloftis is that, and this is a fine value at 29. So going to 30, Chiefs are up again. Um, and I'm going to take the player who you wrote a draft profile on uh, just this weekend. And that's Kair Elam, the corner out of Florida. Hell yeah. And really, I think they would, pr they probably might go like a Christian Watson here. And if they did, that's fine. But for me, I think go ahead and go with the corner and just count on there to be, even if it takes trading up from 50, get your receiver with the next pick. Cause I think you're going to get a better receiver then than you are say a corner. Uh, now's the time to strike at the CB position and get Elam, who can be their number one for quite a long time. Yeah, I think you kind of like how the receiver board fell in terms of passing on it right now. Sky Moore is still there. Christian Watson is still there, as you mentioned. Obviously, George Pickens is there too, although you know it sounds like he might be going higher than this, but we, we do what we can. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you kind of like what options are still there. And, yeah, you're right. Maybe this is where you potentially trade up um, with your other two second round picks to get one, you know, take a swing on one of these receivers. Cause if you do address cornerback and edge with these two kind of guys, I do feel like you feel really good about those two positions and you may not need to double up on edge or double up on corner. Potentially I would double up on edge for sure, but corner you might just hang tight on after making that pick for Kyer Elam, but we'll round it out here. 31, the Bengals are up. We don't like talking about the Bengals, but you know, they have gotten better this off season. And, you know, another thing they could do to kind of make them themselves, you know, a, a better football team. You know, offensive line is a popular pick, offensive tackle. Bernard Raymond, somebody that uh, makes sense to me. But they got Lyle Collins now. They have uh, the other side of their the line is Jonah Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and give them Perrion Winfrey, the Oklahoma defensive tackle. Gives them a penetrator from the interior. Uh, they lost Larry Ogunjobi this offseason uh, in free agency. So Winfrey... It's kind of that Chris Jones type where he's that tall guy and may not be a super good asset against the run at first, but he is, he's going to give you some juice. And so I think the Bengals pass rush just got a lot better taking him. They did. And he is also one who it's like, was he really used the way that he should have been at Oklahoma? Exactly. There's questions about that and they're, they're pretty valid, I think. So if you're a team who thinks we are going to use him how he should be, then it could be a lot better than what you normally get at, at pick 30 uh, with Winfrey. All right, last pick of the round, the Lions. 
could go quarterback here, but I'm going to stand stand through and say, okay, they're, they're going to use Goff for one more year. Just keep on adding talent for the next quarterback who's going to come in in 2023. And I'm going to take one of your favorite players, Ron uh, Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia, who would give them a leader, uh, a good player, but a leader who can kind of command that room, the defensive back room uh, in Detroit, which, of course, needs an inflection of talent. And uh, seeing he's going to be a day one type, I think he's going to play, play at a high level, surprise people and and hold down the fort and kind of fit in with that Detroit style of culture they're trying to build with, with tough dudes who can, who can yep. be physical. Totally agree that he fits their culture. I love seeing, I, I'm definitely, definitely someone that, you know, if the Chiefs do go safety in the first round, I think he would be my favorite one of the bunch, but I definitely like this draft fell out we had the chance to pick safety but i think we really did a good job um doing the valuable pick here i think like i said carl Loftus maybe not the most exciting pick but he's definitely increasing the floor of your edge room and i do think there is room a little more than we give him credit for to become uh you know a above average you know a, a good starter he's got to project that for sure and Kyrie elam your pick i i like i said i wrote him this off this weekend definitely you kind of just his build reminds me of Charvarius Ward, maybe not as lanky, but he's really fast too. And that's not something you could say about Ward. Uh, four through nine speed for Kyrie Elam. So I like this haul we just gave the Chiefs. Brian, how are you feeling about it? You got a grade you can put on it? I don't know. What are you, what are you feeling about it? Oh, uh, it it kind of makes me think that trading up is, is the move. Because yeah. the receivers that were there, it was like, and we've mentioned this in some of our behind the scenes conversations with uh, other guys with Arrowhead Bride. Like, there's a scenario, and I think it played out where the receivers who are worth pick 29 are gone. And then the next guys, they might be worth pick 35, 40, you know, that sort of area, but not really 29 or 30. So, uh, and the same thing with the edges, too. Even though I, I don't think Karloftis is going to be a bad player. I think he could come in and, and be helpful. Um, is he the one that they want? Is he the pass rusher they want? Maybe. Um, time will tell. Same thing with Elam, too. Like I, There are corners who I think scheme fit-wise, they might want to say, okay, let's wait until 50 or 62 and get somebody who we just think fits. Maybe it yeah. is Martin Emerson. Maybe it is uh, McCreary out of Auburn and then go those other positions, wide receiver edge in the first round. So um, it's not the worst outcome, but I, I think grade wise, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a B minus. And it kind of makes me think, yeah, trading up makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of what I expect having gone through this practice. 